Hello and welcome to the Barker Bites podcast brought to you by Barker Marketing, leaders in smart marketing and content solutions designed to propel your business forward. I'm your host, Brad Smith, and I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to Barker Bites on your favorite podcast player. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover, or you have a marketing need, please reach out to us by visiting our website, barker.com. That's B-A-R-Q-A-R.com. Thanks for joining in and listening to this episode of Barker Bites. I am so excited to have two amazing guests with us today, and I think this is going to be a fantastic episode. Uh, first, I'd like to introduce Hannah Eberly from our team. Hannah is one of our social media, digital, and PPC experts here, and she has some amazing experience at helping our clients increase visibility and drive real business results. Hannah, thank you for joining us. Hi, Brad. Thank you for having me. And uh, another familiar voice, uh, if you've listened to the last episode, uh, you may remember Matt Lozar talking with us about recruitment marketing. And today, Matt is also going to share his background and expertise using Facebook and lead generation ads to help drive sales inquiries and business for our clients. Matt Lozar, thank you so much for joining us as well. Thanks, Brad. Happy to be back here and talking about the, the Facebook platform today. Perfect. Uh, so let's start by just giving a, a brief overview. Today's episode is all about Facebook advertising. And we've generally seen a shift over the last few years. So when people think about Facebook and, and using it as a marketing platform, oftentimes people have the misconception that it's just completely free. And yes, it is free to have your business have a presence on Facebook and other social platforms. But what we've seen over the last few years is this transition to a pay-to-play mentality. So your organic reach, uh, if you have a Facebook page and you're just posting there organically and you're not pushing any money there, is going to be limited. Facebook's algorithm is set up to show that to a certain number of people. Now, if you get more engagement on your organic posts, that those impressions will go up. But if you really, really want to have an impact and you want to reach people who may be in your target audience but may not know about you yet, you really do need to invest in some paid. And that's really going to be the focus on today's episode. But before we even jump into that, sometimes I get the question, you know, is Facebook even relevant anymore? Uh, are my clients on there? And I just wanted to share some top-level statistics. And overall, Facebook has 2.45 billion, that's billion with a B, monthly users. Now, if you look at daily users, which is, is probably more important for us as marketers, it's still extremely impressive. It's 1.62 billion, again with a B, daily users. Now, as a marketer, I want to make sure that those are the right users. So I want to see if my target demographic is there. Uh, oftentimes, we're going after kind of a more affluent audience. So this statistic really stuck with me. 74% of users are high-income users. This even surpasses LinkedIn, which was a big shock to me. 88% of people report that they use Facebook to keep in contact, 33% turn to it for entertainment, 23% like to get news there. So it's used in just about every facet of our life. And this one was also interesting. 
eMarketer did a study and they found the average time spent by users in the U.S. on social sites is over an hour. It's an hour and 15 minutes per day. So what I'm getting at here and, and what all these statistics show and say is that social and Facebook in particular are extremely relevant. Our target audience is there. We can use it to really hone in and reach the people that we're trying to reach. So now that we have that out of the way, let's dig in and look more specifically at how businesses and our listeners today can use Facebook more effectively. And Hannah, I'm going to start with you on this. If you don't mind, uh, talk to us a little bit about how Facebook is a cost-effective approach to reaching uh, a target audience. For sure. Well, first, I'll say I completely agree with you about Facebook being pay to play. If you want to extend beyond your organic reach, you really have to consider putting some budget behind your strategy. Um, but the nice thing about Facebook advertising in general and why it's so cost effective is that you set the price yourself. You're not going to spend more than you're telling Facebook that you want to spend within a given time frame or within a given day. And within that budget, you can optimize it to get the best results for whatever your level of budget may be. Um, but just comparing it to other channels, it's extremely affordable. Think about the reach you have on Facebook compared to traditional media like magazines, newspaper, TV. For the same cost, you can reach a much higher volume of users. Um, and it will definitely vary by industry, where you're located and that sort of thing. Um, but like you said, Facebook is so integrated into our daily lives, especially compared to some of those other types of media that maybe you're not checking every day. Um, so there's a ton of opportunity there to stretch your budget and reach more users at a lower cost. Now, Hannah, uh, we get this uh, feedback a lot that, hey, Facebook is for an older demographic, but Facebook also owns Instagram, they own WhatsApp. So how does that play into the advertising mix? Do you generally run campaigns on other platforms too? Yeah, so the nice thing about that is all the advertising is through one platform. So you can reach Instagram users using the same targeting you would use with Facebook. It's just one more opportunity to extend your reach farther than you would be through one platform. Yeah, and what I love about social advertising, you brought up the point of, you know, traditional media. So you're putting an ad in a magazine or a newspaper or radio or TV. You have some idea of the target audience you're trying to reach because that magazine or publication or station appeals to a certain demographic. But in those cases, there's often a lot of wasted reach. And we're going to get into in a little bit how granular we can get with the demographics. But as you're listening to this, just think that, you know, the traditional way to spend advertising revenue was to try to reach the masses. With social, we can really hone in and target the people that we specifically want to target. Um, and what's interesting, too, I mean, Facebook, as of uh, today, their ad impressions this year are up 37%. We've seen more and more people turn to social and spend more time on social during the pandemic that we're in right now. And this is kind of a good segue into our, our next question. And Matt, I'll start with you. Given that we're in a shutdown, lockdown pandemic, what have you seen in uh, Facebook campaigns and usage, things like that? Ha have things changed? 
Yeah, the the first place I think it's changed. And you, you built on you started to talk about this, Brad. Is impressions are up because we have more free time, and we can't travel. We can't go to restaurants. We can't really do anything except staying at home. And screen time increased. So impressions are up. And in in running some some data before this this podcast here today, I was comparing you know, May 2020 data with May 2019 data. And one of the metrics in advertising is cost per thousand impressions. So what do you have to pay to have your ad seen a thousand times? In May 2019, it was $6.81 for, for Barker's clients. And for May 2020, it was $5.72. That's, that's a big drop. That's over a dollar per thousand impressions. And it's a combination of more people spending time on Facebook. And I also think it was an opportunity that fewer companies were advertising because they were afraid of the uncertainty in the economy, which makes sense. But for companies that had the opportunity to be really aggressive, it was there and they could take advantage of that increased screen time and get more impressions for less money, which is what everybody wants. So that's one of the main things I've been seeing from looking at the, the Facebook advertising of, of our customers here. That's awesome. And I love that, that in times like this, we can actually have a, a lower cost and increase reach. There's more people on the platform, more people using it, more opportunity to get our business and our message and our brand in front of more people. Now, Hannah, you've been very influential in our organization on the copy side of things and the direction and tone that we're going to take with ads. What are some things that you're doing during this uh, pandemic to help drive some reach? Are you testing different messages? Yes, we're definitely testing different messages. When all of this started happening, a lot of clients were concerned about what message they should be sending out to their audience on paid social. And the approach that we immediately took was similar to a lot of advertisers of, we're here, we're going to get through this. We don't necessarily know what's next, but if there's anything we can do to help you or make this time easier for you, um, please reach out, please know that we're here for you, that sort of thing. Um, but I think people quickly sort of got fatigued by that message. And so now we're testing more of a, future looking or forward thinking message. Just thinking what's the next step? What happens after this? Or how can you recover from it? Um, those sorts of messages that are still empathetic and compassionate to what's happening, just a little bit more actionable for people. I think even building off what you said there, Hannah, one of the tests, you know, Hannah was talking about copy there, but in an ad test, image test that I was running was just putting, changing the photos to using photos of people wearing masks. And because safety is a huge issue right now and a concern of people, rightfully so, the conversion rate for this company was 46.5% cheaper. Just by changing a little bit of the copy and changing photos from, you know, the traditional, what we were used to, people in groups to people socially distanced or people wearing masks. And that was a huge thing that we saw as well, a trend that's not probably going to change and just making people feel comfort in that imagery they see when they're scrolling through their phone on Facebook helped really reduce that conversion cost. 
I love that example, and it speaks to the importance of testing and actually uh, lines up this next question that I have for you both. Um, and Matt, I'll, I'll start with you since you left off on that point. Facebook has tried to make it as easy and simple as possible for businesses and marketers to buy an ad uh, by clicking a, a button, uh, clicking a boost button. But that's not always the best strategy, is it? It's not. And, you know, at the end of the day, we remember Facebook is a business. You know, kind of how you opened the podcast, Brad, you know, it started organic and then it's shifted to a paid model, you know, similar to a lot of what Google did. It still has an organic side, but it also has a paid side. And Facebook has made it easy for people to click boost $10, $20 to, to receive bigger, greater exposure for, for their content. And it can work. The example, you know, right now that comes to mind is we, we do marketing for a spot, local spot company. And you can just tell by the engagement on their posts, people are just chomping at the bit to come in and receive spot services. So I threw some money behind that because when you click boost, the goal of that ad is to get engagement. And by engagement, we mean likes and comments and shares. The goal of that tactic on Facebook is not to get clicks back to your website. So if your goal is just to increase the exposure of your ad and to get some more you know, the likes and comments and shares on your post, yes, go ahead and click boost, but it comes back to the business goal of your post. If you want to drive someone back to your website for, you know, content or information about your services or a product, then you want to use a tactic that's more in line with driving traffic and not just clicking boost. You need a little bit more complex strategy there to get that traffic back to your website. Yeah, Matt, that's kind of music to my ears. And you guys both know that I preach this all the time. Whenever we're doing any type of marketing, we want to make sure that there's a smart goal behind it. So we want to drive a specific action. I'm not a huge fan. I, th I think there's a place for branding and a place, obviously, for, for awareness, and that can lead to a goal. But when we design a campaign, I like to see it much more targeted with a very specific action that we want somebody seeing, engaging, and interacting with that ad take. And Hannah, I'm going to um, turn it over to you for this next question. And, and Matt just, just teed it up nicely. Hitting that boost button doesn't give you the opportunity to really refine and do that specialized targeting. Talk to us a little bit about the different demographic targeting available, how you can really narrow in on your key target audience. Outline some of the things that you do and, and use when you're setting up an account. Yeah, so Facebook has what they call audience parameters, and that's a mix of demographic targeting, interest targeting, behavior targeting. Um, the first type, uh, demographic, is probably what people are most familiar with. That's the information that comes straight from your Facebook profile. So that's information you're willingly giving them about your age, gender, what school you went to, your job title, your birthday, do you have an upcoming anniversary, anything like that, those important life details. Um, where I tend to focus most of my campaigns is in the interest targeting, which is based on pages you've interacted with, content that you like, um, things that they can measure more based off of your engagement. Um, so it, a lot of it will come down to other brands or um, certain industries, that sort of thing. But a lot of times people will say like, well, these Facebook ads are so specific. It's because you really can drill down so far into what people like and get specific. And not only that, but you can layer them on top of each other, which helps you to 
create the most niche audience possible. If you just target people who like marketing, uh, that's a huge audience with millions and millions of people. But if you start layering it with other audiences, uh, that's where you can start to be the most effective to have that targeted strategy, like you mentioned, that helps you uh, get conversions and reach your goals in the end. Yeah. And I just, as a marketer, my mouth is salivating. I'm just, I love listening to this because never before has a media outlet been able to be so granular. Uh, I mentioned earlier, if we were running just a general newspaper article, yeah, we could get in front of people in a local market. We could have some idea about maybe their age bracket and demographic, but with Facebook campaigns, we can get so specific. And I love your example of layering different uh, interests, different demographics on top of each other. And we can really key in on the exact right target audience. One of my uh, most favorite examples is a a company that we were working with, healthcare organization that catered to um, uh, women in their 50s and 60s. And we layered age, region, demographic, location, and sports interests, because this particular group of people, if they were playing a specific sport, would be more likely candidates. So it was an amazing opportunity to get in front of the exact right target audience. Um, Matt, building off of this, not only demographic targeting, uh, we can also run different types of ad campaigns on Facebook. And I know you're doing a lot with our B2B clients. You're also doing a lot with our B2C clients. Uh, but you've done a lot of testing with a specific type of ad called a lead generation ad. Talk to us a little bit about what a lead gen ad is and, and how you use it. Yeah, a lead generation ad is pretty much exactly that in that the, the goal of this Facebook ad tactic is to capture a lead. And in you know the B2C space, it could be someone to sign up for your email list or anything you're offering. And, you know, you create the advertisement in the same format that you see a lot of advertisements, like if it's a boost or, you know, a traffic post. But the goal after you click that ad is to capture the information of the Facebook user. And the reason this ad works very well is it keeps the user right on Facebook. It doesn't drive someone you know, off, their, off the Facebook platform to a different website. And the reason that's really great and effective as a tactic is we want to really decrease that friction, right? We call it the Amazon effect, really. Amazon has made everything so simple, it's be, we've become spoiled in a lot of other aspects of our life. So if you use this ad tactic on Facebook to say, let's say we want to grow our mailing list for our, our product catalog, and you have this great offer and copy and image in the post, someone clicks on it, right away, their name and their email address and their phone number is going to be auto-populated because that's in their Facebook profile. And Facebook has really reduced the friction to get, you to, to get your audience to convert and help really prove the success of your ads. That's great because it gives the, the person who clicked on the ad a great experience, it gives you, the company who did the advertising, what you wanted in getting conversions for your audience, but it also gives Facebook what it wants, and it wants people to spend time on Facebook as long as they can, because that's how Facebook makes money. So all of these different parties win in the end, and the lead generation tactic makes it really simple to, to capture the, the information of your target audience 
and bring them to, to your database to where you can continue to market to them. That's great. Now, Hannah, on your end, uh, I know that you're also running lead generation uh, campaigns and like those, but what are some other types of campaigns that you uh, like to run? Well, I think regardless of what you're optimizing for, which there are a lot of optimizations you could have, you could optimize to increase the followers to your page, drive traffic to your website, um, increase the number of people actually coming into a store. There's so many different things you can do. A lot of that success is determined by your audience. So if you're not reaching the right people, no matter what you're setting that optimization as, um, your ads might not perform. So I definitely just wanted to make sure that I touched upon the success of lookalike audiences, which you can use through any type of campaign. Um, but a lookalike audience essentially will help you to reach the users who are most similar to the people who are your best customers. You give Facebook an audience um, a source audience, which could be an email list. It could be people who follow your Facebook page, website visitors, and they'll just expand upon that to help you reach people who have those similar um, interests, behaviors, and that sort of thing, but on a broader scale. So I would consider implementing those no matter what kind of optimization you're looking at. Yeah, I love lookalike audiences. I'm a big fan of that. And oftentimes we find that your best customers will share several of the same characteristics. And Facebook's technology allows you to match other people that share those same characteristics. So if we're going to spend advertising dollars, let's spend those dollars on the right people that mirror the look of our, our best customers right now. Um, now, Matt, you mentioned... Uh, keeping uh, Facebook, or I'm sorry, keeping people on Facebook with lead gen ads, and it provides a great experience. Not all campaigns uh, work well like that, though. Sometimes we do need to take people off of Facebook back to our company's website. In those cases, should we, do we need a custom landing page for each one of those ads or campaigns? I wouldn't say need, but we would definitely recommend it's it's a tactic to where you know someone clicks on an ad and goes to your website we want to convert on that intent and brad what you're saying about a custom landing page for someone is the landing pages is, is the page someone sees when they land on your website and the reason we we recommend a, a custom page is we want to get that original intent of capturing their information to bring a, a lead to to your team to your company and the tr if you go and look at your website traditionally, there's a lot of places to where someone could click on a different link and really exit your page. And we're humans, we get distracted. You know, we originally clicked on that ad and came to your page, but maybe if it's not a custom landing page that isn't really focused on the goal of capturing the information, you know, the information might be different than the original ad, or there could just be a lot of distractions that take away from that capture intent. So that custom landing page is going to build off the copy and image of your original advertisement. And it's really almost going to force someone to, to apply or excuse me, to, to capture and send their information to you instead of not converting. So that's really where the custom landing page comes into play and helps increase success. Yeah, and one of the biggest mistakes that I see in ad campaigns is just taking people back to your homepage. And what often happens is they hit your homepage, there's no context, and then they leave. They'll bounce from that website, won't take any action, it won't drive revenue for you. So 
Um, when creating a landing page, think about the singular result that you want people to take. Uh, to Matt's point, make it as seamless and easy as possible for that to happen. Also, and Hannah, we just had an example of a, a client that fall into this category. When you have a custom landing page, cater the copy around the audience, not around you. And, um, you know, Hannah, I know that we, we went back to this particular client and suggested that they change the copy. Originally, the content on the page was all about what a great company they were, not about how their services, products will help the end user. So when you're writing copy, think about that. Your ad copy is all directed at the value that the user is going to get out of that. We need to make sure that that landing page uh, speaks to that as well. Um, so another form of ads that I absolutely love are called remarketing ads. So Matt brought up Amazon earlier. If you ever go to Amazon and look at an item, you notice if you don't buy that, that item sometimes starts to kind of follow you around the internet. You see that at different places. If you've ever looked for a car and gone to Ford or Chevy or BMW, you'll find that uh, all of a sudden you have those ads follow you around. If you've ever been to Zappos, shoes follow you around. And I like remarketing in that uh, it can help you stay in front of somebody that's already expressed some level of interest in your business. So if somebody hits your website, we want to stay in front of them. It's uh, common knowledge that it takes eight to now 20 plus impressions before somebody is actually going to consider doing business with you or buying your product. So I'm going to open this up to uh, both Matt and Hannah. And Hannah, maybe you can tackle this first. What's your take on remarketing ads? And do you have any specific tips for people? I actually think that if you have to choose one tactic for pay-per-click advertising to invest in, it might be remarketing. And the reason for that is because all the data that we have shows remarketed users who have already visited your site and already know who you are, are more likely to take action on your website. So you mentioned it takes multiple impressions to get people to take action. You can really cut down on that by staying top of mind with them. The more that you can appear in their feed or across the internet, wherever it may be, you're building those touch points that foster familiarity with your brand and who you are. So once they have that familiarity, taking that action becomes much easier than if you're targeting a cold audience who has no idea who you are and you're asking them to perform the same action. Matt, I'll throw it over to you. What's your take on remarketing? Remarketing works great. You know, Hannah thought, take and thought on, you know, if you only had one tactic to implement is fantastic. And it's not just people who may have went to your website, you know, remarket to new customers. You know, that person may have come, you know, last month and you keep, you know, showing your impressions to, to get them to that purchase point. A lot of times the easiest sale is to your current customers and to upsell them or to get them to buy an additional product or service. And continuing to remarket to the people that have already purchased with you, you know, keeps you top of mind with them as well and can really convert because you know, just take a step back as humans, we get comfortable with brands and with companies we've had really positive experiences with as businesses. And from the marketing side, there's no reason to not to leverage that, like continue to push on those customers and provide the value and service and 
further that relationship and get, you know, provide more value to them because if you've been a really good, you know, provide utility to them once or twice, people will buy from you again. So don't just ignore those, those previous customers continue to, to market, remarket to them as well. Yeah, remarketing can help generate a ton of repeat business. And Hannah uh, mentioned this earlier, where we can actually take a list of past customers. So if you have an email list, if you can export anything out of your CRM system, we can upload that into Facebook, cross-reference Facebook's database, try to find as many of those people as possible, and create an ad campaign around them. Uh, Right now, when we're dealing with COVID, and some businesses have been absent from their customers for a little while, there's a huge opportunity for us to make sure that we stay in front of those people and drive business as soon as everything reopens. So uh, absolutely amazing tool. Now, let's transition a little bit. The internet in general has shifted over the last few years from desktop to more mobile. In fact, 94% of Facebook's ad revenue comes from mobile devices. Hannah, I'll throw this one to you. How do you make sure that ads are more mobile friendly? So when you're on your phone, you just scroll and scroll and scroll and something has to jump out of the feed to actually stop you from doing that and catch your attention, let alone to get you to click. So you have to think about what images are going to stand out, what copy is going to grab people's attention. You know, are you using emojis? Um, All that sort of thing can help you to stop people in their tracks and actually cut through the clutter to get them to take action. Yeah, I love that. Uh, We like to call it thumb stopping imagery, right? Exactly. Uh, Yep. Strong, bold actions. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, strong, bold graphics. We want calls to action, short, impactful copy, um, even video ads we've, we've seen some nice success with. And here's an interesting stat that I saw. Square video gets 35% more views than landscape video. So think, you know, think about that, especially on, on mobile. Now, I've been loving testing that actually, because I, I think it's become the standard size um, for images as well. So I think the algorithm kind of comes into play there, boosting those posts or like ranking them better. Um, but if you think about it, a square ad will also take up more space on your phone screen than say a rectangular ad that's kind of shorter. So it's more likely that people are going to see it if it's taking up more space. That could also be the Instagram effect coming into play because most videos are on Instagram are square and Facebook and Instagram are obviously the same company at the end of the day. So all of these factors working together, Canna's point there, um, you know, talking about how it takes up more space on the screen and, you know, with Instagram's rise in popularity in the last six, 12, 18, you know, months, all are working together to show that better ROI on the square video content. I love it. And this, this reinforces the point that just clicking that boost button uh, isn't the most effective way to run a campaign. We need to do tests. We need to um, see what's happening, what's working, what isn't, uh, adjust. And, and I know you both are constantly testing and trying new things and then optimizing our clients' campaigns so that their marketing dollar uh, is stretched as far as we possibly can. Now, when launching a new campaign, Matt, I'll throw this one to you. Can you expect immediate results? No, more than likely not. You know, we might hit the, the, the one time that it works really well on day one, 
but it just it takes time to optimize because every campaign is unique every audience is unique and you know we have best practices any marketing company has best practices that they follow and they implement from the start but there's so many unique conditions for your product your audience the economy right now that that come into play where we'll put companies will put best practices into place but it takes time to know you know it's a common question we get which ad you know we create at libraries of ads for companies you know 5 10 20 ads and they're like which one's going to work best and Hannah probably has the same answer as me is we don't know because everything is unique and we create some really strong ads but you know of those 20 ads ads 2 and 17 might work better for your company where ads 5 and 15 might work better for someone else and that's where the expertise of a marketing comes into play is to look at the data that's coming back in and seeing which metrics are working or showing which the ads that are working well and do more of that and do less of what's not working. So it's, it's not a turn it on, you know, beginning of the month and by the third of the month, we're going to have all the answers. It takes, you know, a few weeks and even a few months to really settle in to that campaign to, to get the best results possible. Yeah, but then once you do settle in and you're making those adjustments, I know that those adjustments never end, but once you do get a campaign dialed in, um, Hannah, I know you've seen this, it can really, really drive a, a lot of return. And then at that point, it just becomes an idea of how much ad money do you pump into that, right? Yeah, and how much to maintain it too. Because like Matt said, you might develop 10, 15 ads but your audience will get fatigued and the level of fatigue can vary depending on who your audience is. If they're a more custom audience and they're already engaging with you, they might get more exhausted by those messages sooner. So you also have to think about keeping that updated, even something like the situation we're in right now, uh, things are changing so quickly each week, um, making sure that your messaging is appropriate to just the mood of the world and current events and everything. It's something you have to keep in mind too. Terrific. Now changing gears a little bit, um, Matt, you brought up the other day, a conversation about Facebook messenger. Um, talk to me a little bit about that and where you see potential with Facebook messenger. Messenger is a Facebook messenger is a really, I think it's a unique platform in that, you know, it's, it's a conversation and, in the customer service world, that could provide fantastic value for companies that are very responsive because we've become creatures of habits where we want immediate response. And, you know, you might not respond within five seconds, but can you respond to someone in five minutes? And using it in a Facebook advertising platform, even one of the tactics from Facebook is to start a messenger conversation with someone. And it could come from a customer service angle. It could come from someone who's looking to purchase a product or service from your company. And if you have someone, you know, essentially manning or servicing that Facebook Messenger inbox every day, you can go back and forth in a conversation when that lead is really hot on your product. And you don't want them, you know, for someone to send you a Facebook Messenger, a message to your inbox and ignore it and get back to them tomorrow because your potential customer is probably going to your competitor. So it's a great way to engage in conversation. And for a lot of people that are using Facebook Messenger on their mobile device, a number of them have that set up as a text message. So they don't even have to be in the Facebook Messenger platform during the entire conversation. 
your customer, your follower could initiate that conversation in Facebook Messenger, but when you get back to them, then they're having a normal text message conversation and the open rate and conversion rate on text messaging is 95 plus percent because who ignores a text message? We look at every one. So that's a way where you can really generate immediate interest and capitalize on, on the intent of a customer or a prospect by, by driving them to Facebook Messenger and just having a real honest one-on-one conversation with them. The next question we get a lot is whether or not Facebook is actually relevant for younger demographics. So for those listeners here that are appealing to a younger audience, Hannah, I'll throw this at you. Is Facebook still relevant and the best platform to reach them on? Yes. (laughs) Um, Firstly, just because the advertising is connected since Facebook owns Instagram. So you can advertise to Instagram users through Facebook Business Manager, which is the software you would be using to target uh, users on Facebook anyways. Um, So you can test Instagram even just as a placement of your Facebook ads. Um, The other thing to consider is, yes, uh, Instagram generally does have a younger demographic. That's true. And Instagram is also more visual, has that photo, video, story component that attracts younger users. It's the type of media that they grew up with, they're interested in. So it's definitely a consideration, but young people are still on Facebook. Um, If you think about it, their Facebook's daily users are in the billions. That includes people of all ages. Um, So I I would say yes. Yeah. And while the, the demographic is starting to skew older. One of the fastest growing demographics on Facebook is adults 65 and older. So if you're in that space, it's a definitely a great platform to, to reach. But as Hannah mentioned, Facebook opens up the opportunity for you to get in front of Instagram users, WhatsApp. So there is huge opportunity to still reach those people. And the recent data shows that 50 I believe it was 51% of teens still use Facebook. So it's still a big portion. Now that is declining. So it's something that we need to be aware of. And, you know, if we look at this a year from now, that answer may change. But it also speaks to the importance of testing different platforms. I know right now we've talked a lot about TikTok and other things uh, that are more appealing to that younger demographic. So We need to constantly reinvent ourselves, look for the next technology, look at user trends, and adjust our strategies. Because what works today may not work a year from now, a month from now. So I think that speaks to the importance of working with somebody that consumes this all the time, that lives in this world, that's constantly testing and looking at what's working and what isn't working. And not to make this a sales pitch, but... This is what Matt and Hannah do all the time. They're constantly testing, in case you didn't get that from uh, the episode so far. They're constantly looking at what's working, what isn't working, adjusting. How can we drive more revenue? How can we drive cost per impression or cost per click down? How can we get more response? How can we generate more leads from the existing budget? It's not all about pumping more money into things. It's optimizing the marketing spend that we do have. So uh, they're really focused on this. And if you need help, uh, if you want to see if your campaign is optimized, working correctly, uh, we, we'd love to help there and, and take a quick look. And if it's something that you're considering doing for your business, budget doesn't have to be a issue. Uh, as Hannah mentioned earlier, you can really dictate the budget and see and test what works. 
uh, dip your toe in the water, and then grow from there. Um, Matt, what's your take on when, when you get the question, hey, my audience isn't on Facebook? That's a good question, and it's, it probably is, unless you're really you're only advertising to people in middle school and junior high, and they're spending their entire day on TikTok right now. But it's, you know, Facebook has been around since 2004, 2005, and I feel like it's one of those, it's, a, it's a, almost a mentality to where it's been, something's been around for so long, it becomes cool to bash it almost. And is it declining? Sure. It, some demographics is definitely on its way down. There's trust issues too, right? But at the end of the day, a lot of people go back to Facebook. You know, we, we look back to the stats from the beginning of this and the one that jumped out that you said, Brad, those 74% of high income, you know, earners are on Facebook. Like those are the people that spend money. And at the end of the day, business owners want to drive revenue. And that if those people are spending their time on a platform, you go to where your audience is and you deliver the content they want to see. Really, at the end of the day, that's it. And, you know, we could do this in June 2021, and it could be totally different. You know, it could continue to shift, and we have different recommendations. And that's where, you know, it's not a set it and forget it. It's, you know, it's working well now. You implement your best practices, and you deliver that content to your audience and continue to improve and adjust. So if I don't, I, I can see where people think Facebook is trending down because that's the cool headline. But when you really dig into the data, you know, it's still a very powerful and effective tactic to reach, you know, your current audience and then that, that new audience you want to reach as well. Can I mention something as well, real quick? Um, I get this question a lot, especially for B2B companies that want to reach decision makers. Um, clients tell me like their audience isn't on Facebook, but I think the thing to remember and Matt definitely touched on it is before your target audience is a decision maker, a CEO, business owner, whatever it is their person and people spend their time on social media. The reason they spend their time on social media is to stay connected. They want to make sure their loved ones are okay. They want to see what their friends are doing. They get their entertainment and they get their news. They might not be wearing that business owner hat or in that role when they're just scrolling at the end of the night, that sort of thing, but they're on there. So it comes back to having the right content to engage them and generate that intent that comes back to your website. Yeah. And that's a great point, Hannah. Their defenses are down too. When they're at work, they're dealing with fighting fires. They're dealing with an inbox that is endless. They're dealing with employee issues, problems, sales concerns, when they're at home, they're kind of shutting down. Their defenses are down. And if we can get in front of them with the right um, engaging message, it's a great opportunity for us to cut through the clutter. Uh, I want to thank both of you. There were some amazing nuggets from today. And I, I hope people found some value in this conversation. And I'm going to hit you both with one last surprise question. So you both are managing a lot of different campaigns for our clients. I mentioned earlier, we run ad campaigns for B2B companies, B2C companies, lead gen campaigns, remarketing campaigns, lookalike audiences, a whole host of different campaigns. And Hannah, I'll start with you. Maybe you can share just uh, an example of your favorite campaign. You don't have to name the company, but um, maybe share an example of... Um, 
of what you did and, and what the results were? Yeah, so the one that comes to mind is actually one that we kicked off fairly recently and we're working on it right now. Um, but it was a like campaign to increase the number of followers to page for a jewelry company. And they weren't working with like an insane budget. They weren't spending thousands and thousands of dollars or anything. Um, but they had a, a healthy budget and our team put together these really beautiful ads like showcasing the product. Um, they had some great audiences for us to use. We had a list. We were able to target people who liked their page. Um, look alike. We used all those sorts of things, um, layering in, of course, interests related to the product. And I was kind of blown away by the results because in a week, we had over a thousand likes to their page, um, which was just insane. So the nice thing about that is we've grown their page following and those are users we can target in other ads, um, sort of just creating that funnel of users. And so I was really excited about that. Oh, I absolutely love that. Uh, Matt, that one's going to be hard to beat. What do you got? It is going to be hard to beat. And my example will probably come from recently as well. It's a, it's a, actually a healthcare organization that works out in California. And when the pandemic hit, they lost a lot of their business because, um, you know, they work with people who essentially were non-essential workers in the, in the hospital facility you know, people who were on elective surgeries and what we, their, their company pivoted to placing essential workers, you know, they had to on this, on the dime. So what we did was promoted that awareness to the audience. And this is funny because it really came back to a boost, which what we said at the beginning of this podcast, not to do, but it was their goal was to increase the awareness and show that they were there for their audience and promoting the safety and really engaging with their audience and we put money behind, you know, a photo of some healthcare workers just giving a thumbs up saying, if you know anyone that wants to join the front lines and be a therapist, well, here's what you can do. And the ad got over 2,500 likes. It had 370 shares, which means people really wanted to share that information because in the end of March and beginning of April, it was a really scary time for this country. So, they wanted to help people find out about these therapy jobs. And that's, you know, it was something, you know, when you do run a lot of advertising campaigns and Hannah probably her success story is probably some of this, you click go on day one, you don't really know what's going to happen. Like we, we have the best practices and it, it might sound a little, you know, unsure of yourself, but you don't know it's in the back of your mind. You want to do the right things and the times that it really takes off and explodes. It's awesome to see. And in this healthcare pandemic, that, that was great to really get this audience out there. And you could see their conversions increase, too. They were probably, you know, hundreds of percent higher. I don't have the data in front of me, but they were probably 5 to 10 in the first part of the month. They were getting 5, you know, total for the first half of March. They were getting 5 to 10 conversions a day once this campaign started. So it was great to really help out a company, you know, when people really needed physical help. Yeah, and I'm not going to let myself off the hook either. I'm going to share an example too. And this is, this is one of my favorite ones that we've been working on recently. We're working with a franchise organization and they live and breathe by the number of people that are reaching out to them and exploring this business opportunity. It's not a small investment in times of economic downturn and uh, 
recession and a pandemic, they were extremely concerned that inbound leads for a new franchise opportunity were going to decline. So we sat back and looked at a, a different strategy and we said, okay, um, we need to get back in front of people that had expressed some level of interest in this franchise opportunity over the last two years. Okay, some of them maybe have decided not to go into business for themselves and stay at their existing employer. Um, some maybe bought uh, a different franchise and some were maybe just kicking the tires at the time. Well, what we found is that by re-engaging this audience and getting in front of people and remarketing, we found that their leads are actually up almost 200% over last year when there wasn't a pandemic. So it's been an amazing opportunity to drive increased revenue and also give people opportunity where they might be concerned. So we're seeing mass layoffs, furloughs, things like that. Uh, people who maybe had relatively high paying corporate jobs may have been let go and they might be looking at the next opportunity. So we changed the copy and the tone of the ads to make it more relevant to today's business climate, changed our targeting, uh, targeted people that expressed interest in the past, and the results exploded. And I absolutely love that example. And Hannah, I know that you worked uh, very hard on that campaign. So thanks for your efforts there. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so again, hopefully everybody listening into today's episode found some value in what Matt and Hannah shared. They're two of our foremost experts here on paid and social. And thank you, a deep thank you to, to both of you. I value you both so much. I know that our clients do as well. And I hope all of our listeners uh, found some value today. So Matt, thank you. Hannah, thank you. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for having us, Brad. All right. Take care. Uh, please be sure to listen into future episodes. Hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast player so that you're notified of new episodes when they do launch. And if you have any questions, comments, you want a PPC analysis, you want to kick the tires yourself, you want to learn whether or not we can target your audience, reach out to us. Visit barker.com. That is B-A-R-Q-A-R.com. And let us know how we can help. Reach out and uh, we would be happy to talk with you. I'd be happy to talk with you. Matt and Hannah, I'm sure, would be as well. So thank you all so much. Take care.